Just a few words to remind ourselves of the importance of this gathering, the purpose of the gathering, and the attribution and reward for the gathering. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has sent down guidance to mankind. And it is the duty for mankind, or for the believer, to seek to understand that guidance. Because without knowing and understanding the guidance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you cannot implement it in your life. And if you do not implement the guidance, then you are misguided and you are upon falsehood. And that is detrimental to your well-being and success in this world and in Akhirah. Anyone who is obedient to Allah only benefits himself. And anyone who disobeys Allah only harms himself. And cannot harm Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And so it is for our own benefit that we first learn and understand the commands of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the teachings of his messenger with the intention to implement them in our lives and to propagate them in order to fulfill our responsibility as members of the Ummah of Rasulullah who was the final prophet and messenger. So this is the importance. The reason is obviously, first and foremost, everything we do is to please Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That is at the heart or in the heart of every believer for every action, for every intention, for every word spoken. And so if we have this in our lives, it is a measure by which we know what we are supposed to do and what we are not supposed to do. And so if, if you are about to do an action, and you can't say that I am doing it for Allah, then that is the wrong action to do. Whether it is good or bad, if it is not for Allah. And obviously evil cannot be done for Allah. But even good actions, if they are not done for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then we do not benefit from them. And so we are sat with the intention of pleasing Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. When we are remembering Allah in a gathering, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala remembers us in a nobler gathering. And by listening to the words of Allah and His Messenger, we seek to enlighten our hearts. We, we want our hearts to be enlightened and to be cured from their sicknesses and illnesses. Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that Quran is Shifa'un Lima Fi Sudur. It is 
a cure for the ailments of the hearts or found in the chest. Wahudan, it is guidance. Warahmah, and it is mercy. And so if we act on the commandments of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, they are not there to make our lives difficult. But out of mercy, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has uh, commanded in order for, for us to be protected from every harm and every evil. And so every word of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and every word of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam has these three characteristics. The first one, it is shifa, cure, and it is guidance, and it is mercy. And so we listen attentively and not pay attention to the speaker, but rather pay attention to the words of Allah and the words of his messenger and the benefits is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala rewards rather Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says um, uh, rather Rasulullah informs us that uh, an announcement is made after the gathering you have been forgiven for sitting and gathering in order to remember Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and also, Rasulullah says that uh, the people who uh, gather from different different backgrounds, they come together in order to remember Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, they will be raised on the day of Qiyamah on pulpits. And they will be envied by the Anbiya and the Shuhada, by Anbiya and Matis. al kabiratu Tasi'atu wa Thalathun, Kabira number 39. We have omitted a couple just because. Um, perhaps it's not appropriate, it wasn't appropriate with uh, children being present. Um, but they are not, you know, they're, they're, they're uh, common sense and known. And so I didn't feel the need to go over them. So number 39 is Al Khiyana, betrayal. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran. Ya amanu la rasul Do not betray the trust of Allah and His Messenger. And do not betray your mutual trusts. Meaning the trust of Allah and His Messenger, they have, they take precedence and they are to be fulfilled first. And we'll come to know what is the trust of Allah and His Messenger. But also your mutual trusts. Do not betray them when you are entrusted with something, whether it is information. You are told something privately and secretly, and you are asked not to share it with somebody else. Then you, this is what, sharing it with somebody else is an act of betrayal that is considered a major sin. Right? And may Allah we don't follow that in our private lives. But we do in our professional lives because we know that if you breach confidentiality, you're going to have problems, right? It's a gross misconduct and sacrilege offense. And so we don't do it in our professional life. But we do it in our private life. Right? We share people's secrets. And so you cannot betray the trust, whether that is uh, information, whether it is something that is discussed privately in a private gathering 
Rasulullah said, Al-Majalisu bil Amana. If you are sat with a few people and you are discussing something that is of a private nature, and somebody is perhaps seeking advice or um, wanting to know the Islamic ruling on something, and so they share something with you that is private, and you know what is private, right? They share something with you about their spouse, about their children, family members, about their wealth, their income, you know, um, something of that sort. You are not allowed to relay that conversation outside of the gathering. And especially not doing it by mentioning the name of the person. Right? You can use it as an example, like somebody will come to me, for example, and seek guidance. I can use that to sort of say, uh, to make a general, uh, raise general awareness about a certain subject matter. Um, and so we have to be careful. Uh, and unfortunately, this is not seen as a major sin. When we do it, we don't realize it is a major sin. So Allah subhanahu commands in the Quran in Surah Al-Anfal, do not betray the trust of Allah and His Messenger, and do not betray your mutual trusts knowingly, while you know, while you are aware. You know, every now and then it might happen that you, 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 you forget Okay, you do it unintentionally. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, And know that your possessions and your children are but a trial. They are only a trial for you. And Allah has great reward. And so if you obey Allah, you do not break the trust you do not betray the trust of Allah and His Messenger. You do not betray each of His trusts. And if you realize that your children and your possessions are a trial, meaning that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants to see how you are going to, uh, whether you are going to obey His commandments in relation to your children, fulfilling their needs, giving them the needed religious education and guidance, that will set them on the path of success in this life and in the hereafter. And your possessions, how you acquire them and how you spend them. If you are obedient to Allah, then you have, you are successful in, in the test and the trial. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Allah has a great reward prepared for those who do so. In relation to this, to the revelation of this verse, Al-Wahidi rahimahullah says, نزلت هذه الآية في أبي لبابه Abu Lubaba is a Sahabi anhu. And uh, Banu Quraidha were one of the Jewish tribes dwelling and living uh, residing in Medina when the Rasulullah came. What are the three tribes? Banu Nadir, Banu Qaynuqa, and Banu Quraidha. Three. All three of them, when the Rasulullah arrived in Medina, he uh, compiled or made what is known as the uh, Medina Charter yeah. and that was a sort of agreement it was an official uh, document of the state of Rasulullah which gave responsibility and gave rights and so the there were three Jewish tribes living within Medina and this 
charter gave them the right to worship, the right to remain in Medina, but gave them the responsibility to be part of the protection of Medina and securing Medina. They betrayed this trust and they worked with Quraysh, who were at the time seeking to do what? To uh, remove Rasulullah and this newfounded uh, state. And so Quraysh was the enemy outside of Medina and uh, these three Jewish tribes became the enemies within Medina. And for that reason, Allah's Messenger وسلم, treason, um, the, the, the punishment for treason was uh, either death or that they are expelled. Mm. They are expelled. And so uh, these tribes were um, after breaking uh, the treaties uh, or uh, the agreement of this charter that Rasulullah prepared when he arrived in Medina. Um, Abu Lubaba radiallahu anhu was, had his family with living uh, amongst the tribe of Bani Hurayla. And so, because of this connection, the people of Bani Hurayla, they said to him that we, we've breached the, the agreement with Muhammad But we are seeking that we ask that Sa'ad makes the judgment for us. And Sa'ad was somebody that they had a good relationship with uh, prior to the coming of Rasulullah And they thought that by making Sa'ad the judge instead of Rasulullah getting a judgment from Sa'ad uh, would be uh, more in their favor. And that he would be favorable to them. Abu Lubaba kind of signaled to his throat that you are going to be executed right? if you do that. Because Sa'ad is not going to make a judgment against the judgment of Rasulullah. And so this was an act of betrayal to let the enemy know the judgment um, that was going to be made by Rasulullah. Um, and so he said, uh, Abu Baba himself says, فما زالت قدماي من مكاني حتى عرفت أني خنت الله ورسوله. I did not move from my place when I they sought advice from me and they consulted me and said, what do you think? You know, we we've, we've done this. What do you think the judgment is going to be and how should we should we seek judgment of Sa'd? And he informed them that you know, regardless of what you do, the consequence is going to be the the same. And so he he did what he. He informed them of the secret uh, of a secret matter, uh, and that is the decision of Rasulullah. So he says, I did not move from my place until I realized that I had betrayed Allah and His Messenger. So this is, do not betray Allah and do not betray His, his Messenger. This is in relation to the general trusts and um, the breach of trust amongst people uh, that is other than the trust of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Ibn Abbas radiallahu anhu says that uh, how, how do you betray Allah? 
He says betraying Allah or the trust of Allah is not fulfilling the obligations. Not fulfilling the obligation. So anybody who does not fulfill his obligation towards Allah is in breach of the trust of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They are breaking the trust of Allah. Yani al-fara'id, they are the obligation. Do not break them and do not uh, give them up. Al-Kalbi rahimahullah says, Khiyanatullahi wa rasooluhu ma'asiyatuhuma. Any disobedience of Allah and His Messenger is considered betrayal by Al-Kalbi. He says, whenever you betray Allah and His Messenger, whenever you commit a sin, you are betraying Allah and His Messenger. Because you are testifying to the oneness of Allah and testifying to the prophethood of Rasulullah which translate as you are promising and you are committing to obey Allah and obey His Messenger. So when you are disobedient to them, you are doing what? You are breaking the trust. And you are breaking actually your promise. Also, a verse of the Quran, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, that Allah will not guide the plan of the, the, the betrayers. So anyone who has this characteristic in them, they will not be guided by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is in Surah Yusuf. And Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam says in a hadith, the sign of the munafiq are three. We've looked at this hadith previously. When he speaks, he lies. He often lies. When he makes a promise, he breaks the promise. And when he is entrusted, he breaks the trust. And Rasulullah stated, The person cannot, who cannot uphold the trust and fulfill the trust has no iman. And the one who does not fulfill his promise has no deen. And then he says, that betrayal and breaking the, the, the trust is an evil action in all ways, but some are, some are greater than others. And so he gives an example that the one who uh, breaks a trust uh, that is small in amount, or in terms of, uh, you know, if you entrust somebody with your wealth and they break that, and so they uh, deny the fact that you've left them um, an amana is is evil and that is a bad action but it's not as bad as somebody who breaks their trust in terms of your family members and so you are entrusting them with um, what is most dear to you right your children or uh, your spouse uh, so on and so forth and so there are different levels of um, this sort of betrayal. And Rasulullah says in another hadith, This is a very uh, important hadith to remember. That fulfill the trust to the one who entrusts you with something. And do not cheat the one who cheats you. 
And so, although Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran, وَجَزَاءُ سَيِّئَةٍ سَيِّئَةٌ مِثْلُهَا That you are entitled to uh, retaliate and meet even with evil and bad with bad. Somebody insults you, you insult them. For example, in a, in a similar manner, it's permitted to a certain degree. Somebody hits you, you hit them. Somebody cheats you, you don't cheat them. Why? Because this is a quality or uh, an evil characteristic. And so uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is seeking to cleanse the believers from bad character. And so if you do it once or twice, it may become a habit. And you will start to justify why you are cheating people. Right? And you just perceive people cheating you and so you will. Right? And so that is not permitted. However, what is permitted is that if somebody cheats you of something that belongs to you, that you take it by force. And so don't cheat that person, but you are entitled to take what you are, what you are due. Also, Abdullah bin Mas'ud radiallahu anhu says, يُتَيَوْنُ الْقِيَامَةِ بِصَاحِبِ الْأَمَانَةِ الَّذِي خَانَ فِيهَا The person who breaks the trust will be brought on the Day of Judgment. فَيُقَالُ لَهُ أَدِّ أَمَانَتَكَ Allah will say to him, uh, give back the trust. Give back the amana to the person who entrusted you. فَيَقُولُ أَنَّا يَا رَبِّ وَقَدْ ذَهَبَتِ الدُّنْيَا How can I do so? There's no possession, there's no material. Dunya is gone. فَتُمَثَّلُ لَهُ كَهَيْئَتِهَا يَوْمَ أَخْذِهَا فِي قَعْرِ جَهَنَّمِ He will see that trust in the midst of the fire, hellfire. And so in order to save himself from the judgment of Allah against him, he will go and enter into hellfire seeking to get that trust and give it back to the person it belongs to. And so he will go into hellfire, he will place it on his, on his back or on his neck على and then he seeks to come out of hellfire, but he cannot do so. And this trust will uh, continue to drag him down uh, into hellfire. And then he said, Abdullah bin I remember that when a Sahabi makes a statement like this about Akhirah, they, they are not making this up. This is something they've heard from Rasulullah Despite Abdullah bin not saying that I heard Rasulullah say this. Okay? And at times it's because they don't remember the wording exactly, and so they. Um, are concerned and afraid to lie and, and, and make something uh, or say something that the Rasulullah Sallallahu did not say. But whenever a Sahabi speaks about the afterlife or describes a punishment in the afterlife or a reward in the afterlife in Akhirah, they cannot do so from within themselves. It is something that they have heard from Rasulullah Sallallahu Anyway, then he says, Salat is a trust. And so if you are not praying the obligatory prayer in its due time, how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala commanded us to pray it, then you are betraying Allah. Why? He gave you life. He maintains you. He provides for you. And He asks of you that you worship Him. You are betraying Allah. When wudu wa amanah and purity in the form of wudu, ablution, is also a trust. And so... Because nobody knows whether you have wudu when you are praying salah. Only you know. And no one else is aware. When ghuslu amana and purification from major impurity in the form of ghusl and 
a ritual bath is also an amana because nobody knows if you are in a state of jalaba, major impurity or not. And also weighing and the scales are a trust. I see in, in those times uh, people uh, traded uh, in that way. And he says, the greatest trust are what those that are mutual. When a person is about to travel or for uh, any reason, they entrust you with something that is, that is of value okay, to them in order to take care of it. And then like we said, at the end of every chapter, uh, Imam Dhabi gives a short mawridah. And so he says, mawridah, advice. Ibadallah, servants of Allah. Ma ashrafa al-awqat wa qad dayyatumuha. How valuable are uh, times, but you have wasted time. And the reason he, he mentions this, because t time is what? It is a trust from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Right? He's entrusted you with time. And so wasting your time is what? Uh, breaching or breaking that trust. And how ignorant are the nafs. Nufus is a plural of nafs. How ignorant is the nafs, yet you obey it. And how precise is going to be the questioning in terms of wealth. Look how you are acquiring your wealth. So the first is what? Warning about time and wasting time. The second is following one's desires. The third is advice in terms of wealth, where we are acquiring our wealth from. وَمَا أَحْفَظَ الصُّحُفَ بِالْأَعْمَالِ فَتَدَبَّرُوا مَا أَوْدَعْتُمُوهَا قَبْلَ الرَّحِيلِ عَنِ الْقَلِيلِ وَالْمُنَاقَشَةِ عَنِ النَّقِيلِ وَالْفَتِيلِ And he says, how accurate are the records that are being recorded by the angels? The angel on the right recording your good deeds, angel on the left recording your sins. This recording is accurate. And so think and contemplate about what you have placed in these records throughout your lifetime. How much good have you done that has been recorded? And how much sins, how many sins and how much evil have you done and committed that has been recorded? And he says, so take account of these things of your time, how much you are following your desire, where you are acquiring your wealth from, and what sort of actions have you done before before you move away and you travel away from this world where everything is uh, in small, given in small measure and it is temporary before you are taken down into the bellies of the earth and the graves, and you are consumed by worms. In a dwelling 
that has a sealed door, meaning you cannot come out of your grave. وَلَوْ قَالَ فِيهِ لِلْعَاصِي مَا تَخْتَارُ Once an evil person or a sinner enters the grave, if he is given a choice, لَقَالَ أَعُودُ وَلَا أَعُودُ Can you translate that? وَقَالَ أَعُودُ لَا أَعُودُ وَلَا أَعُودُ I want to return to the world and I will not return to sinning. So he, he, he rhymes yes. his sort of. Um, so he says, Ibadullah, ma ashraf al awqati wa qad dayyatumuha, wa ma ajhal al nufusa wa qad atatumuha, wa ma adaqa al suala ani al amwari fandru kifa jamatumuha, wa ma ahfad al suhufa bil amali fatadabaru ma awdatumuha, kabla al rahiri ani al kalili wal munakashati ani al nakiri wal fatil, kabla antanzilu butun al luhudi wa tasiru ta'an al liddud, fi baitin babu humisdud. وَلَوْ قِيلَ فِيهِ لِلْعَاصِي مَا تَخْتَارُ لَقَالَ أَعُودُ وَلَا أَعُودُ And so it is one advice in terms of we said what is the first piece of advice? Time. Time. Protect your time. Don't waste your time. It is a trust. Second? Desires. Don't follow your desires because your desires stem from ignorance. Three? Earning, ensure that your earning is from halal source. Number four, contemplate and think about what is in your record of deeds. Four. So it's time, desire, possession, and actions before you are taken to uh, to the afterlife and you are going to be um, you are going to have to um, answer the questioning of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Al-Kabiratul Arba'un, number 14. How many did we say? How many major sins? 70. Uh, 70. And so we are at third, uh, four, number 40. al man the one who reminds others of his good deeds. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran, Ya ayyuhaladheena amanu la tuhtilu sadaqatikum bilmanni wal-adha. Do not render your Charity is void um, through reminding people. You know, when you do something for someone, if you remind them of it, or if you tell them that you have done it, uh, then you have lost your reward. Allah says, La You've cancelled out your reward. When you say, Oh, remember I did this for you. Or the beauty that is lost. You. Huh? The beauty is lost. Yes. Because you have not done it for Allah, you've done it for them. And you are confirming it with your statement. If you have done it for Allah, then you do not لا نريد منكم جزاء ولا شكرا. We don't expect any reward. We don't expect you to pay us back. ولا شكرا. And we do not even expect thanks. And so if you find that you have done something, and it's natural, you've had somebody in their time of need, or you assisted them, especially with our children. Right? And then they do something, and you sort of... Yeah. I was going to ask you, in the family, sometimes you, you buy something, you, you do something, but you say, oh, I'm going to do this. Oh, no, that's fine. That's okay. Yeah, that's fine. It's, it's reminding a person. Yes. Reminding a person after you have 
done them a favor that in the future you remind them. Either you are asking something of them and they refuse and you say, oh, remember that day I helped you out and now you are not helping me. But you, you are here uh, reminding them of what you have done. And so we have to be careful that we do our actions for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We are seeking retribution from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the reward from Allah. And Rasulullah says in a hadith, We've seen this hadith before. Three types or categories of people. Allah will not speak to them, meaning in a pleasing way. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will not look at them, meaning with a sight of mercy. And He will not purify them. And they will have a severe punishment. Al-Musbil, the person who drags his garment below his ankles. This is for men. Okay, women are permitted to do that in order to uh, cover themselves um, in a better uh, manner. And Aisha, there is a statement that Aisha and I questioned Rasulullah about this. And he said that a woman is permitted to uh, lengthen her clothes in order to ensure covering the, her, her body. And so Al-Musbil, the man, uh, this is specific to the man, who um, drags his clothes below his ankles. Uh, and some say it is, uh, there is a condition that if a person does it out of pride and not just out of uh, carelessness. You know, sometimes you're just careless and you don't, don't realize um, that you are doing well. Manan, and the one who reminds others of uh, favors done for them. وَالْمُنْفِقُ سِلْعَتَهُ بِالْحَلِفِ الْكَادِبِ And بِالْحَلِفِ الْكَادِبِ The one who uh, sells his merchandise by um, swearing uh, on lies. The person lies and swears by Allah subhanahu wa And so he says الْمُسْبِلُ هُوَ الَّذِي يُسْبِلُ إِزَارَهُ أَوْ ثِيَابَهُ أَوْ قَمِيسَهُ أَوْ سَرَاوِيلَهُ حَتَّى تَكُونَ إِلَى قَدَمَيْهِ the, the Musbil is the person who drags his uh, Izar is uh, a lower garment Thiab is any uh, garment Qamis is an upper garment You know, the, what you wear on top Or his trousers uh, to his feet Because Rasulullah stated مَا أَسْفَلَ مِنَ الْكَعْبَيْنِ مِنَ الْإِزَارِ فَهُوَ فِي النَّارِ But there is a, a warning of punishment for the one who drags his clothes below his his ankles. Also, Rasulullah stated that um, be warned about reminding others of your favors to them or your good deeds to them. Right? It uh, it cancels out two things: the thanks. And the reward. And so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will not reward that person. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will not show um, gratitude for uh, those deeds. Okay, so we've um, 
we've covered this previously. Um, number 41, this is an important topic. Disbelief in predestiny. And so we know that um, when Rasulullah was questioned um, about by Jibreel uh, and he said uh, that Ya Muhammad Mal Islam, what is Islam? He said uh, to testify that there is no God but Allah and that Muhammad is his messenger to offer salah, to fatwa, to go around, so on and so forth. And then he asked a question and he said that Ya Muhammad Mal Iman, what is Iman? And Rasulullah responded uh, that you believe in Allah, believe in the angels, uh, believe in the scriptures revealed by Allah or Rasulihi by the messengers, believe in the messengers of Allah and believe in the last day meaning the day of judgment believe in predestiny and so right at the end he brings a sort of commentary on this and he says what is the meaning of belief in Allah it is to Accept that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala exists. To truly believe in the existence of Allah. At-tasdiqu bi-annahu subhanahu wa ta'ala mawjudun mawsufun bi-sifat al-jalal wal-kamal. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has the characteristics uh, that make him uh, complete and above all his creation. So he is above all the creation and he is complete in every uh, quality of his. Munazzahun an sifati naqs and that Allah that is free from any short for, uh, shortcoming right? and free from any bad characteristics. As an example, uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the truth and his promise is a truthful promise and so Allah does not break his promise. This is an example. The example of the knowledge of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala being complete is that he has the knowledge of what was, what is, and what will, what will be. And he also has the knowledge of what has not taken place. If that matter had taken place, how it would have come about. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's knowledge is complete in, in every sense. It is not like the knowledge of the human being that it grows with your experience. وَأَنَّهُ فَرْضٌ That he is unique, صَمَدٌ Independent. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is independent of his creation. So anything other than Allah is created by Allah. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is totally independent. So, he is al-hay, the ever-living. But his life is not dependent on anyone, like our life is dependent. He has knowledge. Our knowledge is dependent on what, what we study, our experience, our minds. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, these things don't apply to him. Uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala hears. Our hearing is dependent on what? This organ, right? The ear. And it's dependent on distance, uh, right? And whether uh, what you are seeking to hear is audible or not the frequency and what have you. But Allah this it does not apply to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So he is complete and he is above his creation. 
with all his characteristics. Samad, he is totally independent. He is the creator of all creation. Mutasarrifun fiha bima yasha. And he deals in his creation how he wishes. Yaf'alu fi mulkihi ma yurid. He does as he pleases. So this is our belief in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That he is above his creation in every sense. He is complete in every sense. He has all of the qualities of praise. And he has no evil or bad characteristics. He is totally independent, created all things, and in control of all things. And he does as he pleases. No one can challenge and question the judgment of Allah subhanahu wa Allah is not questioned about what he does. Nobody can question Allah. And so even you know, the people who say, oh, well, if there was a God, why is this and why is that? Um, that is uh, out of ignorance. Right? Allah does not have to answer to anyone. And actually Allah doesn't answer them. And nobody will question Allah on the day of Qiyamah. Even the dwellers of Hellfire will accept that they have earned uh, their entry into the punishment of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala through their deeds and actions. Also, Al-Iman bil malaika belief in angels, huwa tasdiqu bi'ubudiyyatihim lillah. It means to believe that they are servants of Allah. And so angels, our belief in angels is that Allah created them from light. That they have no need, they do not eat, drink, they do not tire and fatigue like we are. They have been created to serve Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in whichever service Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala places them. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, بَلْ عِبَادُ الْمُكْرَمُونَ They are honorable slaves or servants of Allah. لَا يَسْبِقُونَهُ بِالْقَوْلِ They do not speak before Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, before granted permission by Allah. وَهُمْ بِأَمْرِهِ يَعْمَلُونَ And they are continuously laboring and working to fulfill His command. They do not do anything without the command of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You know this uh, uh, Jibreel alayhi salam did not come to visit Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi for a while and did not bring revelation. So when eventually when he came, he said, yeah, my friend Jibreel, what happened to you? Actually, Rasulullah sallallahu used to call him my brother Jibreel. What happened to you? You did not come to visit me. And Allah revealed in the Quran, وَمَا نَتَنَزَّلُ إِلَّا بِأَمْرِ رَبِّكَ We do not descend except through the command of Allah. We don't have a will of our own. They are not like humans. Humans have been given a will. Allah says, you have a will. Your will will only be executed if it's in accordance to the will of Allah. But you have a will of your own. And so I want to go, I want to come, and so I go and I come. Obviously, if Allah permits it. With angels, their will, they, they do not have a will of their own. It is only when Allah says, go, you go. And so Jibreel says, I cannot, it is beyond me. I cannot come to visit you if Allah does not permit me and allow me and command me to do so. Allah says, 
that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows what, it, what is before them and what is behind them. Meaning what they will do in the future and what they have done in the past. Uh, they can only intercede in the favor of those whom Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala pleases. Angels cannot intercede in the favor. Their intercession will only be accepted in the favor of those whom Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala pleases. And they are fearful of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Rasulullah says that Jibreel alayhi salam is when he saw him in his original form, his head was beyond the sky. His feet were below the earth, the surface of the earth, the horizon. And he completely, you know, the lens, the Rasulullah could not see anything else but Jibreel. Only Allah knows. This is what Rasulullah could see. Obviously, he did not encompass him completely with his sight. He saw parts of Jibreel. Because he could not see his head and he could not see his feet. His feet. And he said 600 wings. If he opens two of them, he covers anything, everything between east and west. But when he stands before Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, when Allah summons Jibreel, he shrinks in size due to his fear of Allah until he becomes like a tiny little bird. And angels have this ability of you know, changing forms. So Allah says, and this is the, the, the more you know Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the more you are fearful of him. And not because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is unjust, but because you fear that you will fall short yourself. And in falling short, you will be punished for your deeds. And so that is belief in angels, to believe that they are servants of Allah. You know, Quraysh, we know that Quraysh believed that the angels were what? They said, Banatullah, they are the daughters of Allah. So believe that they are servants of Allah um, and that they serve him in accordance to uh, his command. When Iman bin Rusul believe in the messengers, هو تصدق بأنهم صادقون فيما أخبروا به عن الله تعالى. To believe that messengers are truthful in anything they relate to us from Allah. Whatever they convey from Allah سبحانه وتعالى, they are truthful in it. أيدهم الله بالمعجزات الدالة على صدقهم. And Allah سبحانه وتعالى supported them with miracles. That prove the truthfulness. Example is Salih alayhi salam. Yes. His people said to him that if you want us to believe that you are a messenger of Allah, bring forth from a rock. We want to see a she camel coming out that is pregnant. And so he asked Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that and, and, and so you see that despite them seeing the sign they did not believe. Because belief has nothing to do with what you can perceive. It has nothing to do with perception. And so the people who say, we don't see God, that's why we don't believe in God. That's nonsense. Because the people of Salih asked for a clear sign, they saw a clear sign, they rejected. And so belief is attached to the heart and the soul. It has nothing to do with the mind. The mind is only a tool, the sight is only a tool, the hearing is only a tool, the speech is only a tool. 
And there are tools that if you use them to seek belief, Allah will give you the gift and blessing of Iman. وَأَنَّهُمْ بَلَّهُ عَنِ اللَّهِ تَعَالَى رِسَالَاتِهِ وَبَيَّنُوا لِلْمُكَلَّفِينَ مَا أَمْرَهُمُ اللَّهُ بِهِ And to believe that they have fulfilled their duty in conveying the messages of Allah to mankind. And they clearly explain to mankind the commands of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So they conveyed the message, but they also did what? They practically taught mankind how to obey the commands of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. وَأَنَّهُ يَجِبُ احْتِرَامَهُمْ It is what? Honoring the Anbiya is a requirement of faith. It is a requirement of faith. And so we cannot say anything about Anbiya that uh, takes away from their honor. Nothing at all. وَأَلَّا يُفَرَّقَ بَيْنَ أَحَدٍ مِّنْهُمْ and we, we are not permitted to differentiate between them. Allah says, It is Allah who grants different positions to different Anbiya. As for us, we are to believe in all of them that they are all from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and they have all brought the messages of Allah and they are all truthful. It, it, differentiating between them does not mean that uh, we consider Rasulullah to be the best of Anbiya and Rasul because that is a position given to him by Allah. And then we consider the five Ulul Azm, Nuh, Ibrahim, Musa, Isa, and Muhammad to be specially selected by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and they are leaders of all the Anbiya alayhi salam. And then we believe that the Rasul in comparison to the Anbiya, the, the, the messengers in comparison to the Prophets, Rasul are those who were given a new Sharia. They hold a higher caliber or higher level, higher status in terms of uh, closeness to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But what we do not do is say that Muhammad is the messenger of Allah, but Isa is not. Or Isa is the messenger of Allah, but Musa is not. That is what? <coughs> that is the path of, of whom? Jews and hmm? Christians. Jews and Christians. And the Jews believe in Moses to be, Musa salam to be the messenger of Allah. They deny Isa and Muhammad. It is as if they have a choice. In, and this is why we are not permitted to do that. We don't have a choice. Those that Allah has named and those that Allah did not name. Allah says, Some of them we have informed you of their stories and, stories and accounts. And some of them we have not even mentioned. So Allah mentions only by name. Very carefully. He's mentioned by name in the Quran. There's no detail about him. Who he came to, where he lived, when he came, uh, nothing. Allah mentions him by name. Others, Allah has not even mentioned. But we are to believe that those whom have been selected by Allah as prophets and messengers, we believe in them, in their truthfulness, and that they have conveyed the message, the message of Allah, and they have taught uh, ex very clearly the commands of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala we honor them and we do not differentiate between them when iman bil yawm al akhir and to believe in the last day 
That is to believe in the day of judgment. Why is it known as Al Yom Al Akhir, the last day? Last day would be, is a, has a lot of names, mm -hmm. but Akhir means the last. last. So, so how is it the last? Why is it the last? It's the last day on earth. Last day on earth. After that is either paradise or hellfire. No more earth. Good. So believe in the last day. Meaning believing in the day of judgment. Resurrection after death. When Nashri being brought forward, brought out of the grave. So you are resurrected in your grave. And then Nashr is to, uh, to come out of, of the grave. Right? When Hashri, Hashri is what? Uh, the gathering. And so what will happen is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala when the horn is blown by Israfir alayhi salam Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala according to uh, some narrations or scholars Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will send a type of rain that will come down and bodies will grow will regrow in the earth the way vegetation grows right? and so we will we'll come to life in our grave and then we will come out of our graves and then we are gathered people are gathered to stand for judgment in one plain field one plain uh, one area well hisab hisab is the questioning of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala when Allah speaks to you and he asks you about what you have done well lizan the weighing of your deeds was salat it is what the bridge the crossing across hellfire the one who is successful in crossing this bridge enters paradise and the one who fails falls into hellfire when jannati one now paradise and hellfire and so how many things is life after death resurrection hashal gathering and in that gathering in that gathering is the waiting and so a number of things take place in that gathering. Once people are gathered, first is people will wait until Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala begins judgment. And that is a very long period. People will get tired and will ask Rasulullah you know, they ask the MBA first and they come to Rasulullah And then Rasulullah intercedes in the favor of mankind and then Allah begins judgment. And so when judgment begins, it is hisab, one to one with Allah. Rasulullah said, that every single one of you will be spoken to by Allah subhanahu wa individually. So you will come with your record of deeds and then you are called out by name and you stand before Allah subhanahu wa everyone. A person will not have, will not need a, a translator. Allah subhanahu wa will speak to you directly. There's no need for anyone. There's no middleman. It's you and Allah. He will look at to his right, he will see only his deeds. He will look to his left, he will only see his, his deeds. To the right is good deeds, to the left is bad deeds. And then he will look ahead of him and he will see hellfire. You can't see paradise. Because you have to cross hellfire in order to enter paradise. And so you do not see paradise in Hisab. Right? 
This is why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, when he mentions in Surah Qaf, he mentions resurrection, uh, he mentions hellfire. After that, he mentions paradise. Paradise is not far away, but you have to cross hellfire in order to see paradise. And so belief in paradise and hellfire that they are the uh, dwellers or the dwellings of reward and punishment for the doers of good deeds and the those who committed sins. Belief in Qadr This doesn't happen. It says belief in what we have spoken about. <laughs> and so I, I, I sort of jump to the end in order to, to uh, quickly cover the, um, the five other pillars before belief in the Qadr of Allah And so essentially, belief in Qadr is a requirement. And this belief in Qadr or denying Qadr is a major sin. It is an act of kufr, but it depends why a person is doing it, if a person is doing it out of ignorance or not. Knowingly, it is kufr, without a doubt. Um, so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, that Everything we have created with destiny. Everything has been created, it has Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala before creating it, and so in one way, we were in the knowledge of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala eternally. Because the knowledge of Allah does not change. And so Allah was aware when He's going to create you, when you are how long you are going to spend on earth, when you are going to leave this earth, what you will be provided with, what actions you will do, good or bad, whether you will be fortunate and from the dwellers of paradise or whether you are going to be unfortunate and enter a loser and enter the hellfire. Allah says, Inna kulla shay'in khalaqnahu bi qadar. Everything has a destiny. <coughs> the reason for the revelation of this verse, um, the two reasons given. One of them is that the people of Mecca came to Rasulullah and the Mushrikeen of Mecca, and they, they were disputing with him in terms of destiny. That how is that possible? It was difficult for them, but it's actually very easy to understand if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, enlightens your uh, understanding. And that is, the reason we have difficulty with belief in Qadr, one of the reasons is that we are, as creation of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we're encompassed by time. And so we have past, present, and future. We know the past, we know the present, we do not know what will come in the future. And so it's very difficult for us to understand how Allah subhanahu wa knows the future, but it's actually very simple. Uh, logically, Allah is outside of the sphere of time. And so to Allah, past, present, future is all the same. And this is why Allah subhanahu wa at times speaks of qiyamah uh, in the past tense. Right? Because to Him, it's all one. There is no past, present, and future. Right? This is one reason. 
And the other reason is that people question uh, divine uh, destiny or pre-decree because they say, well, if, if, if Allah decides that you're going to do good and, and then enter paradise, what choice do you have in that? And how is that just? He decided, and so you, you are doing as he wants. And he decided for somebody else to, to, to be evil and to do bad deeds, and then he enters hellfire. That is unjust. And so the action, the Iman, the path of Iman is in between. And you find people on both extremes. Some deny it completely, and they say, Qadar, it does not exist. Qadariyah. They deny Qadar altogether. They say there is no such thing as Allah knowing whether you are going to do bad or good. He's given you a choice, you do, and then you are going to be judged. It has nothing to do with Allah. He has not made a decision on your actions. You decide. And so this is kufr. Why? Because you are given, you, you, you are saying that you are the creator of your own actions. And Allah says in the Quran, Allah created you and your actions. So your action is created by Allah. So you have one extreme is they deny Qadr altogether. They say, no, a human being has 100% control over their actions and Allah has nothing to do with their actions. This is one extreme. The other extreme is... No, Jabriya. they say that the human being is compelled. You have no choice. You think you have a choice, but actually you have no choice. It is Allah who decided and that's it. But both of them are extremes. Okay, the Jabriya is perhaps less extreme than the Qadariya because the Qadariya denies something that belongs to Allah, which is control of actions and the creation of actions. They say you create your own actions. But the others are also extreme in the sense that they say you have no choice of your own. And so if you have no choice of your own and you are punished, then that is injustice. And the middle path is actually the correct one. The reality is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made a decision on the deeds that you are going to do. But Allah does not reward you and punish you because of his decision. He rewards you and punishes you for your decision. And you have not been made aware of his decision. No. So if a person says to you that, well, if Allah has already decided that I'm going to do evil, I'm going to enter hellfire, what choice do I have in that? And how is that just? It is just because Allah did not inform you. If Allah had informed you, when you came out into this world, Allah says that you are going to be from the dwellers of hellfire and you are going to do evil. Then you say, I am compelled, I have no choice. I've already been informed that I'm going to hellfire. What choice do I have? But that is not the case. And so the knowledge of Allah has nothing to do with, uh, you have no access to it. And so your choices are based on your choices are based on your own intention, your intent. You decide what you want to do, good or evil. And Allah is aware of it because Allah created you and He knows the decisions that you are going to make and the choices you are going to make. And uh, you know, we know this as parents, when you are not even parents, when you've lived with somebody for so long, you know the choices they are going to because you know what they like. And so you know that if they're given option A and option B, they're going to go for option A because that's what they like and they dislike option B. And you are only a friend or only a relative or only a parent. And so Allah knows you better than you know yourself. 
and he knows the choices you are going to make. Um, but the best thing is that we do not delve in this. Okay, yeah. believe in it as it is, because qadr, just like angels, just like belief in in, in the day of qiyamah, just like belief in paradise and hellfire, it is a matter of ghayb. And it is ghayb because it cannot be comprehended by the mind. You can't comprehend it. Your mind is limited. Yeah, it's the unseen, and so it's not never going to make complete logic and sense to you, because it is beyond your capacity of understanding. What you are asked to do is you are asked to believe in it. And there are actually signs and uh, clear signs that there is a qadr. What are the signs? The prophecies of the Anbiya, and especially the prophecies of Rasulullah like for example, you have Surah Al-Rum, where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, reveals to Rasulullah rum that in the time of Sahaba, in the initial years, right, uh, that uh, two superpowers, the, the Byzantine Rome and the Persian Empire, they were competing with one another, right, and they were at war over territory and supremacy and, supremacy and uh, power. And so, in the lifetime of Rasulullah Sallallahu uh, Rome was defeated. So Allah says, غُلِبَتِ الرُّمُ And they are going to, they are going to do what? They, they are going to become victorious and they are going to win a war against the Persian army in the future. And that is exactly what happened. The prophecies of Rasulullah about the, the, how uh, um, the Roman Empire and the Persian Empire are going to be conquered by his Ummah and by Islam have come to and also the, the matters where Rasulullah has identified as the signs of the day of Qiyamah, many of them have come and we see them. And so this is proof and evidence of the Qadr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And so if you have one or two, actually the believer does not even need evidence. If Allah says it, we believe in it. But then if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has demonstrated and Rasulullah has, have, they have both demonstrated to us that Allah has the knowledge of what is to come, precise knowledge, then we have to just submit and accept. And actually this is in the favor of the human being. Because Allah says, مَا أَصَابَ مِنْ مُصِيبَةٍ فِي الْأَرْضِ وَلَا فِي أَنفُسِكُمْ إِلَّا فِي كِتَابٍ مِنْ قَبْلِ أَنْ نَبْرَأَهَا Whatever affliction, whatever trial, whatever difficulty happens to you, whether it, it happens somewhere on earth or whether it is directly within your life anything that you dislike it has been recorded before it comes into existence it is recorded in that is easy for Allah simple and then he says so that you are not grieved for what has what you have missed. 
you know. You don't carry the sorrow for what you worked so hard and you didn't get. Allah says it was never written for you. Yeah. Yes. Or more importantly is the hadith of Abdullah ibn Abbas if, if, we, if we have belief in this, we will live a life of contentment. To know with certainty, what you have achieved and what you have gained, you are not going to miss. Meaning, don't overly rejoice and take pride in your abilities, because what you have has come to you from Allah. It is Allah who decided you're going to have it. It's got nothing to do with what you did, the choices you made. So oh, if I hadn't made, if I hadn't done this or that, I would not have achieved this. That is false. Your actions, your intentions, your choices are means by which Allah gave you what He destined for you. So what you have was never going to miss you. And what has missed you was never going to come to you. No matter if entire mankind got together and they said, okay, what is it that you want me going to make it happen for you? It will not happen. Because Allah has not decreed it for you. And so you live content. They said that one of the Salihin who is a trader, uh, he was sitting once in the masjid. Somebody came to him and said, you know what? Yeah. This, he had a shipment with merchandise. And he said, it's, it's, it's drowned and it's destroyed. And so he looked down and said, Alhamdulillah. And then the person returned later and he said, no, no, sorry, it was a different ship. Yours is safe. And so he looked down and thought for a moment and he said, Alhamdulillah. So when he was questioned about it, he said, when I received, you know, it's contradicting information, right? And so essentially what would happen to a person without Iman? You become sad and you become happy. He said, when I looked at my heart and I checked my heart, my heart was content. When I was told that I lost my possessions, I said, this is what Allah decided. I have no choice. And so my heart was content. And when I was informed that actually it was a mistake and that, you know, my possessions are safe, I took account of my heart again and I realized that what? I said, Alhamdulillah, because my heart was content that it is the decree of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And so it is for our own um, so that you do not grieve over what has passed you, what you have missed. And that you do not overly rejoice in what he has given you. Yes. <coughs> um, there is another so the first one is that the, the people of Quraysh this verse in was revealed because the people of Quraysh questioned Rasulullah and disputed with Rasulullah in terms of Qadr the second one is that uh, somebody from the tribe of Najran came to Rasulullah and he said that Ya Muhammad you claim that sins are also decreed by Allah and that cannot be that Allah is the source of goodness and how can we say that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created sin. sin? But actually, Allah created shaitan. Mm-hmm. Right? Shaitan is the and so to us, shaitan is source of evil and bad. 
but from coming from Allah, we do not attribute it to Allah But we know that shaitan is created by Allah and he is the caller to hellfire. And actually hellfire is created by Allah. And so Allah revealed when, when they, these people disputed with Rasulullah and Allah revealed this verse. Also, Umar ibn Khattab anhu narrates, this is a weak narration, that إِذَا جَمْعَ اللَّهُ الْأَوَّلِينَ وَالْآخِرِينَ يَوْمَ الْقِيَامَةِ أَمَرَ مُنَادِيًا فَنَادَى لِدَاءً يَسْمَعُ الْأَوَّلُونَ وَالْآخِرِ أَيْنَ خُصَمَاءُ اللَّهِ فَتَقُومُ الْقَدَرِيَةُ فَيُؤْمَرُ بِهِمْ إِلَى النَّارِ That the people who disbelieve, this narration says that the people who, who disbelieve in uh, predestiny and divine decree of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will be punished um, and essentially they are disputing Allah and they are questioning Allah that you have no right to do uh, to know what is to come uh, and punish or reward accordingly and they dispute with Allah how can you uh, decide that a person will do will commit sins and then decide to punish that person. But this is all human logic. It does not apply to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, as we said, because the knowledge of Allah is beyond uh, the understanding of mankind. Also, Rasulullah says in, in the Sahih hadith, كُلُّ شَيْءٍ بِقَدَرٍ حَتَّى الْعَجْزُ وَالْكَيْسِ Everything is predestined by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala even intelligence and lack of it. And so believing in in the uh, predestiny um, is a major component, a component of, of the faith, major pillar uh, of the six pairs of, of Iman and denying it in any way, any shape or form is going to be considered a major sin uh, for which a person will be and actually a bid'ah. Right? And he, he will say why. He says, أَجْمَعَ سَبْعُونَ رَجْلًا مِنَ التَّابِعِينَ وَأَيْمَةِ الْمُسْلِمِينَ وَالسَّلَفِ وَفُقَعَيْنَ لَمْصَرْ عَلَىٰ أَنَّ السُّنَّةَ الَّتِي تُوَفِي عَلَيْهَا رَسُولَ سَلَسْلِمْ أَوَّلُهَا الرِّضَى بِقَضَاءِ اللَّهِ وَقَدَرِهِ uh, the, the, the Muslim Ummah, the, the A'imma and the scholars and the uh, Fuqaha of the Muslim Ummah are all in agreement that the way of Rasulullah and the tradition of Rasulullah is to be pleased with what Allah has destined. One is accepting what Allah has destined. This is an obligation. This is not a sunnah. You have to accept. Whatever good and bad happens in your life is destined by Allah. However, to be pleased with it is something else. It's very easy to be pleased with good that comes towards you. Yes. Huh? But being pleased with even the bad, sickness, trial in your wealth, loss of life. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, We will try you through fear. That you will fear fear of the enemy and hunger 
and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will withhold or will take away from your possessions and um, your family members and so on and so forth. And so Allah has decreed this. The sunnah of Rasulullah is to be pleased with what Allah has destined. And this is what, what we should aim to gain in our belief. And this shows strength in, in belief. You've lost a family member, alhamdulillah. It is the decree of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. There's nothing I can do about it. And so you're pleased with it. You know, you're not fighting within yourself, within your heart. You don't have any waswasa, any doubts. You don't start to doubt because something has happened against what you want or what you wish. The first one that ulama agree on is to be pleased with the uh, decree of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And to submit to his command. When you are tried by Allah, there is a command directed to you at that time. You are expected to do something. What is it? Remain committed to the command of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Yeah? So you don't just worship Allah when things are good and then you stop when things go against you. Actually Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says this person will go to hellfire. Allah says there are people who worship Allah on edge. If he is in a good state, he receives good from Allah, he's content, mashallah, he's praying, going to the masjid, everything, reading Quran, dua, alhamdulillah, always saying alhamdulillah, alhamdulillah. And when he is tried in Qalaba he turns his face away from Allah. Allah says, That person loses in this world and in the hereafter. In this world, this you know, turning away from Allah is not like turning away from a human being that you show him I'm displeased with you and maybe they're going to change their decision. Allah doesn't change for anyone. Allah does not fear consequences. Worship, don't worship, that is your choice. Allah will do as He pleases. Yeah, his decision is completely independent of what you feel. Okay, so when you turn away from Allah, actually it does not help you in this world. Because you are still under the control of Allah. It's not like you get to run away and make your own choices. You're still under the decree of Allah And And you are also at loss in the afterlife because you will be punished for it. You're running from one destination to another. So submitting, submitting to the command of Allah was sabri tahta hukmi and being patient in facing the trials and the tribulations. To do the deeds that Allah has commanded us to do and to refrain from what Allah has forbidden us to do. And doing all the deeds uh, simply to please Allah subhanahu wa or, or only to please Allah subhanahu and to believe in predestiny good and bad. Meaning not to say Allah only creates good. No. Good is from Allah. Bad is from Allah. However, out of Adam, out of Adam what do we do? We don't refer, we don't refer bad to Allah. We ref no, no, we refer it to ourselves. Yes, to our yeah? uh, often the, the, uh, the Imams in the khutbah they say, uh, whatever I have delivered and it is right and correct and good information and right information that is from Allah 
It is if we if if I have conveyed information that is false, then that is my own doing and the doing of Shaitan. That is an amazing thing in Surah Al Kahf. You know when uh, um, when Musa Ali Salam goes with Khidr, mm-hmm. right? Allah says, you know, uh, go and you will find a servant of mine who has uh, knowledge that you do not have. And so, what does Khidr do? That Musa Ali Salam questions. The first one is he makes a hole in in the ship. The second one. He kills a child. The third one, he rebuilds a wall. When he sta- when he provides explanation and asks you to, to look at the translation of Surah Al-Kahf for this, to see the adab and the etiquette when you speak about Allah's Muhammad. Allah has already said to Musa we have given him knowledge. So he is acting out on the knowledge that I have given him. But when he makes a hole in the ship, he said, فَأَرَدْتُ أَنْ أَعِيبَهَا I wanted to uh, make a hole in it, so that it is defective and the king does not take it away. I wanted to do it. Yeah. And then in relation to the child, he says, We wanted, or I wanted, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala takes away this child and gives him, gives them in, in, in his place a righteous child. And these are seemingly bad actions. The rebuilding is a good action. So he says, what? Your Lord wanted. And so in, for the ship, he doesn't say your Lord wanted that the king <laughs> doesn't take away their ship. And for the child, he doesn't say that your Lord wanted that. Huh? So although we believe that good and bad is all from Allah and all predestined by Allah, we attribute good to Allah and we attribute bad to ourselves. Because Allah tells us actually in the Quran that anything that, that is bad that occurs in the, in the earth and in your lives, it is your own deeds. Allah says, I, I am not العبيد, I am not unjust to servants. And so I, I do not decree anything bad to happen unless it is a consequence of the actions and choices of mankind. And from the Sunnah of Rasulullah is to avoid argumentation and quarreling. In matters of deen, not debating. Debating in a good way, seeking the truth is good. But quarreling just for the sake of it, it's not. And so Rasulullah once came out of the of, of his uh, rooms and he found uh, a group of Sahaba, and two people, they're arguing. One person is using verses of the Quran, the other one is using verses. And he said, this is not why Allah revealed the Quran, uh, to use it. For, to, to evidence your own uh, for your own agendas and your own yes. views wiping over uh, socks so this is part of um, the belief and actions of Ahl Sunnah and to, to come out in jihad with the Muslim ruler whether he is righteous or not and to offer janazah salah on anybody who uh, dies from the people of our qibla. Meaning anybody who faces towards Mecca in their salah, we offer their janazah. Yeah. 
Okay, you can consider him muqtadi or whatever, dal or misguided or whatever. But if he prays, Rasulullah very clearly defined the Muslim. Man salatana. The one who prays our prayer, meaning stands, bows, and prostrates our salah. وَاسْتَقْبَلَ قِبْلَتَنَا And faces our direction, Mecca. وَأَكَلَ ذَبِيحَتَنَا And eats halal, ذَبِيحَ This person is Muslim. You are not allowed to kill this person. Unless that person raises a weapon against you, this is a different matter. Yeah? They are considered to be Muslim and their janaza will be offered. وَالْإِمَانُ قَوْلٌ وَعَمَلٌ وَنِيَّةٌ And Iman is actually uh, speech, actions, and intention. You can't say Iman is only in the heart. Without any good deed, this is no Iman. And so you have to have a number of things. Belief that this is the truth. Number two, acting according it and having the right intention to do it to please Allah. يَزِيدُ بِالطَّاعَةِ وَيَنْقُصُ بِالْمَعْصِيَةِ Iman increases with obedience and decreases with disobedience. وَالْقُرْآنُ كَلَامُ اللَّهِ نَزَلَ بِهِ جِبْرِيلُ عَنَى نَبِيهِ مُحَمَّدٍ غَيْرُ مَخْلُوقٍ and that Quran is the word of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Word of Allah, not metaphor, word of Allah. Meaning that it was not created. Meaning it is limitless. Okay. And this is why when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will order the destruction of this earth, before that, Rasulullah said, Overnight, the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will disappear from the face of this earth. Because it is not limited. Alright? It is everlasting. And so if Allah is going to destroy this world, Quran has to be removed from this world because Quran will not come to an end. Uh, to remain uh, patient under the, uh, the flag of the ruler, uh, whether he is just or uh, unjust. Okay. But this is a ruler that is selected. That is selected what? In accordance to Sharia. Right? And so if you have a democratic selection of a ruler, then that ruler can't say, Oh, well, I am a Muslim ruler and you are not allowed to come out against me. No, I'm sorry. You were not selected by the... And, and the requirement of Sharia is not everybody selects the ruler. Only the people of knowledge, they are known as the people of people of knowledge who understand Sharia and who know who is deserving of that position, not just randomly anybody voting, right? Selected people who represent the entire nation or that society. We do not come out to fight rulers even if they are unjust because fighting them is going to cause more bloodshed and more... Okay. And we do not consider anyone who prays towards our Qibla a disbeliever. Call them misguided. Call them a person of bid'ah. Call them what you want. You can't call them a kafir. As long as they face our Qibla. Unless they say something that goes directly against the tenets of Islam. They don't believe in Allah. They don't believe in a messenger. They don't believe in one of the scriptures. They don't believe in the day of Qiyamah. They do not believe in the Qadr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Okay? Yes, Anything like that, then uh, they will be considered as, as kafir. وَإِنْ عَمِلَ الْكَبَائِرِ 
And so anybody who faces our qibla and prays our salah will not be considered a kafir, even if he does, he or she does major sins, unless they consider those major sins to be halal. Major sin, committing suicide, major sin. If a person commits suicide, they are Muslim, you don't say they're kafir. But if a person says that I am allowed to take my life because it is my life, it belongs to me, I decide. And this is what they have now permitted for themselves that which was made haram by Allah. If a person drinks alcohol, they are Muslim. <laughs> but if they say no, alcohol is halal and they consume alcohol, then they become kafir. So on and so forth. وَلَا نَشْهَدُ لِأَحَدٍ مِنْ أَهْلِ الْقِبْلَةِ مِنْ جَنَّةِ لِخَيْرٍ أَتَابِهِ إِلَّا مَنْ شَهِدَ لَهُ النَّبِيُّ صَلَى اللَّهُ We do not testify that anybody is going to enter paradise except those that have been confirmed by Rasulullah صلى الله عليه وسلم and they are who? عَشَرَ مُبَشَّرَةً Other than that, we do not say, yes, we believe that the entire community of Sahaba will enter paradise but we do not speak about individuals, Allah knows that knowledge is reserved to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala وَالْكَفُّ عَمَّا شَجَرَ بَيْنَ أَصْحَابِ رَسُولَ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهِ عَلَيْهِ And to refrain from delving in the, in the what? Disagreements that happened between the Sahaba رضي الله عنهم أجمعين In relation to the Khilafah of the conflict between سيدنا علي رضي الله عنه سيدنا معاوية رضي الله عنه Who were both great Sahaba Obviously علي رضي الله عنه is the cousin of Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, one of the first people who accepted Islam and he is knowledgeable, the son-in-law of Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi and the fourth Khalifa. And actually, Muawiyah Radiallahu Anhu is also a noble Sahabi, one of the scribes of Wahi. He's not just some, he was a knowledgeable Sahabi. And actually, in his lifestyle, he was very, very, very conservative, if you like. Very little dunya, despite being even when he was a Khalifa actually. And so he is depicted often in, you know, series of stories or biographies or whatever. He is depicted as somebody who lived a lavish lifestyle. That is false. Muawiyah was a God-fearing Sahabi. Right? But there was disagreement between him and he did not contest the Khilafah of Ali. I mean, this is not the time for it, but... He did not contest Khilafah of Ali. He did not question the Khilafah of Ali. He knew that Ali was the deserving of Khilafah. He said that I will not pledge Khilafah until the killers of Uthman are found. That's it. This, is, this, this was his. Uh, Ali radiallahu anhu said, no, we, we did the pledge of Khilafah before we even buried Rasulullah We left, you know, the Sahaba Abu Bakr and Umar, they left uh, Ali radiallahu anhu to deal with the burial of Rasulullah and they went and the preparation of Rasulullah and they went to deal with the matter of Khilafah. Okay, so we do not get involved and we do not speak about their differences. That is not to say that uh, one of them was not right, one was wrong. Yes, you know, whenever there is a, a debate or a disagreement, there is a person who is on the right and there is a person that is on the wrong. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala judges by intention. And so even the one who was wrong, if the intention of that person was correct, then that person is forgiven, and so they are not wrong. They are not taken to task for what they have done. And the best of the creation of Allah after Rasulullah Look at this title. The best of the creation of Allah after Rasulullah Not human being, not human and jinn. The best 
after the creation, after Rasulullah And so there are major, great creations of Allah, such as the, um, the, the Malaika, Mikail, Jibra'il, Israfil, the angel of death, Malik, uh, the gatekeeper of Hellfire, Ridwan, the gatekeeper of Paradise. You have the Arsh, the Kursi, the Lawh, the Qalam. All of these are great creations of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But the, the best one is Rasulullah After After him, Abu Bakr, and then Umar, and then Uthman, and then Ali, radiallahu alayhim ajma'in. وَنَتَرَحَّمُ عَلَىٰ جَمِيعِ أَزْوَادِ النَّبِيِّ صَلَىٰهِ وَسَلَّمُ And we seek mercy for all the wives of Rasulullah We do not differentiate. We don't say that Aisha, Hafsa, so on and so forth. So we seek mercy and forgiveness and uh, mercy for all the wives of Rasulullah and all his offspring or his children and all um, his companions. And so he brought these in order to, because uh, in delving about, uh, so the major sin is disbelief. The title was disbelief in in Qadr. And, and because of that, he listed the uh, and, and defined the six pillars of Iman. And then he went on to define some major components of the belief of Ahlul Sunnah wal Jama'ah. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to keep us on the right path, on the correct belief, and to enable us to refrain from these major sins.